So I'm back looking at this tonight and concluding what I started on Sunday. But I'm going to prophesy immediately and say, someone is looking in and you are stressed out of your head and you are wondering how you can pay the bills. And this is what the Lord would say through the Holy Spirit to you. You're a mother, you have children and you're stressed. And the Lord would say, fear not, because I will give you your daily bread. I am the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, says the Lord. I will never leave you, never forsake you. With me, says the Lord, you have a future. And your children will never grow hungry. So the Lord says, have faith, trust and believe. Because your God will look after you. Amen. Amen. I pray for that person now, whoever you are, that peace would come upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was going to say sorry guys but I'm not going to apologize if I feel the spirit leads me in something I'm just going to go with it so anyway uh, I leave that out there and God bless you whoever you are I'm going to talk tonight as I said about better go over on this side I'm blocking the screen this is part two of why Capper named Jesus I'm not going to go into really what I did Sunday <laughs> you can catch up on Facebook on YouTube or podcast anytime if you want to look back Here's just one or two main points as I move forward into tonight. Jesus, as we know, came to Capernaum, which is right on the Sea of Galilee. And he went there and he set up his main ministry base there. If you will, other than Nazareth, this was the main home of Jesus Christ, particularly for the three and a half years of his public ministry. He did what any decent, good Jew in his generation would have done he went to the synagogue faithfully and went to the temple for the celebrations just like a good decent Christian amen we'll go to church we'll gather with the believers we'll not take a holiday if they're able to that's what we're called to do we're called to gather it's not an option it's a command so I know there's all scare stories but you know what God commands his people Amen. to gather together and we'll do it together in a safe place. Jesus went to the synagogue. I think there wasn't a few infectious diseases going around back then. I'd say there was a legion of them. One of the things that happened when he preached under the anointing of the Father in such a powerful atmosphere, we know that a man with a demon began to manifest and Jesus said to the demons in this man, here we see it in verse 25. Be quiet, come out of him, Jesus commanded. Jesus had to command the enemy out of that situation. He's in his new home base or hometown of Capernaum. And of course the enemy tries to attack. Of course the enemy tries to disrupt. But when Jesus said be quiet, remember, and we looked at it on Sunday, the demon shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the demons had to leave. And Jesus then, and I'm going to look at it now, went on and ministered. But before I do, I speak prophetically to a, a guy watching in tonight. You are in danger of violence. There is a violence or a violent guy who is somewhere in your circle. And you know in your soul that this guy is out of control. There is a violence. Would everyone watching join me now and pray for peace? And protection for our brother. Is anyone willing to pray? Amen. 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 
We pray for our brother tonight, Lord, that this threat of violence to him would not happen. We would pray, Lord, that just as Jesus commanded the demon to go, that the violence that would come with the enemy would not attack our brother. I pray St. Patrick's prayer over you, the Lord above you, at your right side, at your left, in front and behind. May God protect you the whole way. Right through the season ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I, I do sense that there's a guy watching in, and maybe it's someone that you're sharing a house with, or maybe it's a dad, or a brother, or a neighbor, or a so called friend, or a workmate. Just pray the peace of Jesus wherever you go so that that violence won't happen to you. If you want to make contact with me later on or tomorrow, I'm there. But I know it's a guy and there's a violent situation. Let's move into the message for tonight um, because I think it's worth tuning in for. Do you really want to watch Coronation Street instead of this? Everyone said? No. Okay. Why Capernaum Jesus Part 2. Going to look at Mark 1 again where we were on Sunday. But I'm going to look at the next five to six verses which is verse 29 to 34. And may the Holy Spirit bring the written Logos word alive in your soul tonight. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go in Mark 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, you remember Jesus cast the demon out, came out of the synagogue. Jesus went with James, John, Andrew, and they go to Peter's home. Because Peter came from Capernaum. But Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about the sick woman. So Jesus went to her. And he took her by the hand. And helped her up. As he did this. Hallelujah. The fever left her. The fever left her. And she was healed. Straight away, she began to serve Jesus and the disciples. That evening, the locals gathered at Jesus' door with all their sick and those troubled by demons. Jesus healed many from various diseases. He drove out the demons, not allowing them to speak because they knew he was so guys this is you and me transported back in time parachuting in to the door of this house that Jesus was staying in in his new hometown of Capernaum he has just left church let's use that expression and he comes into the home with Andrew with James with John and it's Peter's house let's see how what happened 2,000 years ago impacts you and me today, tonight, and in the season ahead. How interesting that we're told straight away that Peter's mother-in-law was sick with the fever. Again, let me just say it with respect, and I know some people didn't think Peter was married. Let me put it this way. Michael, have you a mother-in-law? I do, sir. How do you have a mother-in-law? Uh, because I married a woman. I okay. married a daughter. Yeah. So... I have a mother-in-law and who I love. And how do I have a mother-in-law? Because I married my wife. So, um, what do you think? Do you think Peter was married? I'd say he might be married. I'd say it's a good, fair I'd guess, all right, yes. Yeah. Fairly good guess, Peter was married. Don't want to shatter anyone's 
illusions, but the man was married. It was very unusual. I mean, it did happen, but it was unusual for a guy not to be married. Peter was married. We're not told who Mrs. Peter was, but we know she was there, and this woman lived in the home. Why was the mother-in-law in the house? There are two main schools of thought here. One is that she was a widow, and it was normal if you were a widowed woman in that society, you would go and live with one of your daughters in their homes, particularly if you didn't have a son to look after you. Or secondly, when the woman got sick, perhaps she went to stay with her daughter because there was no one to look after her in her own home. We're not told that detail, but we are told this. Peter had a mother-in-law and this poor woman had a raging fever. We don't know what it was. Some commentators say they think it could have been typhus or dysentery. These are all, by the way, diseases that are highly contagious. Highly contagious. But there they were, in together. And this poor woman had this disease, and, or, or this fever. And so she's here, and she's sick. And I don't know, have you ever had a high fever? I remember about, um, gosh, it must have been 12 years ago, maybe more. I got tonsillitis. It was a heavy batch of it. And I was burning up with a fever for days. It was rotten. Fever is an awful thing. Well, this woman had a fever. Not only that, though. Look at this. Look at this simple half a verse that so many people skip over. They told Jesus about the sick woman. It's just the end of verse 30. So James and John and Andrew and Peter, they went to Jesus and said, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Now, if they were some people from Cork, particularly certain sections of Cork society, I bet you they'd never tell Jesus there was someone sick in the room next door. Do you know, I have a relative who I value, but this relative, um, it was, it's a woman, her, someone in her family was really seriously ill, and she bumped into friends and neighbours in a public street here in Cork in a shop, and they said, let's call the relative John, <coughs> and they said, how is John? And she said, marvellous, is he really wonderful? And the man was dying in hospital. And there's a thing in some sections of Cork society where you never admit you have a problem. How are you? I'm wonderful. Are you really? Are you really sick or are you wonderful? I'm wonderful. I mean, I have this in my own family. Maybe I'm guilty of this myself. But you know what? They didn't have any of that stupid stuff back in Galilee. There's a woman next door and she's really sick. Don't get into this ultra polite thing. Someone is in the house and I won't tell anyone that they're sick. Or how are you? I'm marvellous. You've no problems. No problems. Let's not be. Let's be real. I'm not saying we trust everyone, but we should be a bit more real. So here they say to Jesus, she's sick next door. What does James say? And I, I'm saying this to you tonight. And I challenge you and I challenge myself. James 4, chapter 4 and verse 3 you do not have because you do not ask. I do not have because I do not ask. Before we finish tonight, I want you to think of one person in your life who you would love to see something happen. Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's their salvation. Maybe it's their restoration. There's all different things that could happen that you could be praying for. But just think of that one person, and we're going to pray at the end. That he went to her, and he took her by the hand, helping her up. 
Imagine if you're the person with the fever and Jesus comes in and he takes you by the hand and he gently lifts you up. He could have come in and said, be healed. He doesn't. I don't know an awful lot about this lady, but perhaps the lady was at an end of herself. Maybe she was sensitive, but he took her by the hand. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you a story about something that happened to me years ago. Um, when I was a kid, I had to get a tooth out and it was fairly horrific because your teeth, you've got two roots in your teeth. Michael, if you look at Michael's teeth, he probably has two roots up into his gum. I've been blessed with three roots in each of my teeth. So, so <laughs> That's right, I have more, more than normal. And I remember as a child, when they took the tooth out, it took forever and a bit of it was left and they had to go back. And then as an adult years ago, um, a thing happened, a thing happened. I had decay in my tooth and I had to have a tooth out. And my dad would have reared me and my brother to be strong and independent and don't rely on anyone and don't be too soft in your emotions. And, you know, I guess a lot of that rubbed off. So that's the way we've lived life. But I remember going to the dentist and the dentist said, I'm going to have to extract that tooth. And I can see from the x-ray, you've got not two roots, but three. And they're going way up into your jaw. This is going to be a major extraction. You're going to hear loads of crunching. I'm going to have to pull. I remember going, oh no. And I said, I remember going in and going, I'm a tough guy. No, I'm not. I'd love if someone held my hand while she was pulling the tooth out, while the dentist was getting rid of the tooth. But you see, Denise was at work, so I'd no one to hold my hand. <laughs> so I held my own hand. <laughs> but I'll always remember that. I remember going, that is one time. Now, it's, you might think it's silly, but it is one time. I said, gosh, I'd love someone to hold my hand. Can you imagine this lady? Jesus held her hand. I'd say she was frightened. I'd say she didn't know, was she going to live or die? Was she going to see the morning? Is this the end? And in comes the Saviour. And he takes her by the hand. And he gently lifts her up. But look what the Bible says. As he gently lifts her up, the scripture tells us, the fever left her and she was healed. Hallelujah. Jesus healed her and the fever is gone. <clears throat> word got out all over Jesus' new hometown of Capernaum so much so that within a couple of hours a couple of hours we're told they gathered at Jesus' door with all their sick and demonic of course they did he's a life giver people want to go where there is life People want to go where there is healing. If Jesus wasn't there, you didn't see miracles. If Jesus was there, you saw miracles. No Jesus, no miracles. Yes miracles, yes Jesus. What does it mean by all of the sick and demonic? It means people who were broken. Who were broken. It means they were either broken in their minds. Maybe they were broken in their body, like this lady. Maybe they were broken in their heart. Maybe they were broken in their spirit. Something crushed in their spirit. That they were spiritually, if you will, disabled from something that happened to them. Maybe tonight you're broken in one of those areas. Jesus is the one who picks up all the broken pieces. And he mends us. And he makes us whole. Would anyone say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Two L's if you're writing it down. <laughs> hallelujah. Jesus is the one 
who heals us. And every human being I've ever met is broken in one of these ways. Everyone. Maybe it's in your heart you're broken from something in the past. Every human being is broken. Even though certain sections of Cork society will go, I have no problems, I'm perfect. You know what? I don't believe you. And if I said it, you shouldn't believe me. But here we see that Jesus healed them. Verse 34 says, he healed many of various diseases. So they came to him with their sickness and with their minds and with their hearts and with their broken spirits. By the way, a parent can break a child's spirit. Mm. You can, uh, when I was growing up, discipline was probably too strict. Um, some dads, for example, and teachers were brutal in their discipline. And I grew up with young fellas whose spirits were broken. They never had any confidence. They couldn't even see God in any way as a father. Their spirits were broken. Today, maybe there's no discipline at all and it's gone the other way. But as we say in Irish, that's another story. So Jesus healed many. Let me come to a conclusion or a, my main point in tonight. Let's go back to Peter's mother-in-law. The lady who was burning up with a fever, maybe with typhus. And Jesus took her by the hand and he lifted her up. This is really important, guys. Please stay watching. We're told straight away she began to serve Jesus and the disciples in verse 31. What a powerful verse. Do you know the tragedy of this verse? And I speak into our society today and it's been this way as long as I've been a Christian is that this fantastic verse gets lost in the narrative of what? The poor woman, she's only up out of her sickbed and they're there waiting for their dinner. I remember being at a meeting decades ago and only Cork people will get this. But this guy from Cork said, she had to get up and peel the poppies for the Lord and all the disciples straight away. It's like, no, that's not what this verse is about. He's laughing back there at me. This is not about the poor woman had to give the men their dinner. That's not what's going on at all. Honestly, that, he's, he's really bad. He's doubled over. That narrative is destroying a powerful verse. It really is, brothers and sisters. Because this isn't about male-female roles. Forget about that. If you have an issue with that, I understand. But that's not what this is about. Why did the woman start serving Jesus and all of the disciples and she's only healed. Why did she do it? Do you know why she did it? Because when God blesses you or me, do you know what our, our instinct is? It's to give. Freely you have received. Freely, freely, give. So when God blesses me, I want to bless others. This woman is exactly what any decent Christian is. It's not about the poor woman had to make the man's dinner. That's not what was going on at all. Jesus and the disciples served her before she was healed at all. They went and they went to Jesus. They asked Jesus to go to her. Like you praying for someone who we're going to pray for in a moment. That's you serving them. So don't let a cultural narrative take away from this fantastic point. So here, remember where we are. We're in Capernaum. Where is Capernaum located? Right on the Sea of Galilee. And here we see a woman who received and then who gave. Remember what we looked at on Sunday? How the Sea of Galilee, see it up here? And it's fed by the River Jordan. 
and the same body of water flows into the Sea of Galilee and then it flows out and then it goes right down to the Dead Sea but because the Dead Sea is geographically a lot lower it has no outlet all of the water flows in but it doesn't go anywhere so the Sea of Galilee receives and gives and as a result the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life the Sea of Galilee has abundant fish life abundant vegetation whole communities like Capernaum exist around it even today where they earn their living it's life-giving so isn't it strange how Jesus speaks to us through geography and how this woman who was healed as soon as she receives she starts giving hallelujah whereas the Dead Sea just takes the water and it doesn't give in any way it has no outlet do you know if you go to the Dead Sea today there is zero marine life no fish there is absolutely no vegetation, nothing. It's just dead. This is a photograph. It's all this dead stuff, all this white foam and so on. So here we see that in Capernaum, just like right in the Sea of Galilee, this woman was healed and she gives straight away, just like the lake or the sea that she was living by. You see, Jesus is a life giver. He's a life giver. And you know what we're going to do now, tonight? We're going to pray that you will be a life giver too. And how are we going to start doing a bit of life giving tonight or continue? We're going to pray for that one person who you haven't prayed for in a while. I'm going to get Michael. Michael is going to sing the beautiful song, Broken Pieces by Hillsong. He's going to sing it just once and then we're going to pray. Just hum along, listen. Maybe you'd like to sing along. And then hang on for the next few minutes because we're going to do some powerful prayer in the Holy Spirit. Michael. All these pieces broken and scattered In mercy gathered, mended and whole Empty-handed but not forsaken I've been set free I've been set free, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, oh, oh, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now Mike is going to continue this song in a moment. Can I challenge you? Even if you're watching on playback on Facebook or YouTube, can I challenge you, wherever you are, would you pray now? Maybe there's others around you and it's embarrassing. But you know, think of that one person you haven't prayed for in a while. Be like Andrew and James and John and go to Jesus and ask Jesus to go to this person. I know who I'm going to pray for, someone I love and I haven't prayed for them in a while. 
So let's, you think about them, or we think about them. So let's close our eyes, picture their face in your mind's eye. You want to whisper their name to the Lord. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, that man from Galilee, we pray for that one person who we haven't prayed for in a while. And like Andrew and James and John and Peter, we go to you, Lord Jesus, and we tell you, the one we love and you love, they're not well. They're not well in their souls, or maybe it's their bodies, or their minds, or their very spirit. And we pray, Lord, that just like you went to Peter's mother-in-law, you would go to this person that we love, and that you would take them by the hand, and lift them up, we hope gently, and that as you lift them up, oh God, that a healing would take place in their souls, in their minds, in their hearts, in their bodies. We want to be a life giver, Lord. As we pray for the ones we care about, we pray for ourselves also. I'm putting my hand on my own head. I pray, Lord, I would always be a life giver. I pray, Lord, I would be like Peter's mother-in-law. I pray, Lord, I would be like the Sea of Galilee, that I would continue to receive what you have for me, but that I would continue to give also. Oh, God forbid any of us would become like the Dead Sea. Would anyone amen. say amen? amen? We don't want any Dead Seas where we park ourselves and take a holiday and just receive and stop giving. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray we would ooze with life and that the Dead Sea would never be our future. Come Holy Spirit, the lessons of the geography of Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee and the people you healed there ring true today as they did 2,000 years ago. Move on us and move on that person we prayed for. Do a miracle in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You take our failures, you take our weakness, you set your treasure in jars of clay. So take this heart, Lord, I'll be your vessel, the world to see your life in me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, 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 I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, I can see you now.
sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see.